0: Merry Christmas and happy incarnation. It is a joy to see you today and it should be a joy for all of us because this really is the most wonderful time of the year. But sometimes we don't act like it. Sometimes we forget the wonderful nature of this season and not because we sometimes will wear our Grinch shirt or our Grinch hat. I saw some excellent festive sweaters with the Grinch on them today, but sometimes we start to act like the Grinch at this time of year, it happens to the best of us, but we shouldn't allow it to happen to us because we are here to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. And this Christmas run, we have focused on Emmanuel, God with us. One of the titles and one of the names given to Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. God is really big into names and into titles. God oftentimes will refer to himself using a title, though more often than that, he will refer to himself using his personal name. Jesus has many titles, has many names. Names are really important to God. Titles are really important to God. Did you know, in fact, that the word God is not a name? It's just a title, God is the title given to the greatest conceivable being. And God has always existed. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. God is all-good. God is eternal. God is necessary. And God is triune. Triune. He's three in one. God is so personal, he's not just a personal God, he is a tri-personal God. And the three divine persons who compose the one being, that is God, are known as the Heavenly Father, God the Son, or sometimes we call him Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. In fact, God is just the generic word for the best thing there could ever be. God has even revealed His very personal name to us. Yahweh is the personal name of our triune God. And the reason that He has revealed His name to us is because He wants to have a personal and abiding relationship with us. Yahweh treasures us so much that he will not treat us just like a treasure. Now, I don't know if you are going to get any treasures for Christmas tomorrow or maybe you open gifts on Christmas Eve. I like to get treasures. I have many treasures. I collect Superman stuff, not just Superman festive sweaters, not just kids with Superman-related names. I collect Superman paintings and Superman autographed, Pictures of the actors who played Superman in movies and TV. I collect Superman action figures. I collect Superman statues. I collect Superman posters. Lots of Superman stuff. But when I get a Superman thing for Christmas, I don't just put it away and then never do anything with it. Superman stuff for me is meant to be enjoyed. And so even today, I was given this really cool Superman monster truck. And the Superman monster truck, it's, it's neat because it's got a cape on it. I really like it. It's neat. I've got a couple just like it at home. And when we have Superman toys, we should play with them. Here, Clark, why don't you play with this during the service? They're meant to be played with. They're not just meant to be put on a shelf to look at. We treasure things and we use the things that we have appropriately. God treasures us. And he does not want to treat us just like a little bobble that is on a shelf and he looks at us and just ah, does nothing with it. No, God values us. God treasures us. We are not merely treasures. He treasures relationship with us. And what we must understand is that this perfect God of the universe, Yahweh Almighty, wants to interact with us. He doesn't just want to be separate and far off, and neither does He want us to miss the gracious gift which He has given. But I'm afraid that there are too many Christians who miss part of this gracious gift. It's my hope today that we might recalibrate and do something with this gift which he has given us, not merely put it on a shelf, but actively engage with it. To get a running start at this gift, let us look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, which has served as our springboard for every sermon during this Emmanuel, God with us series. This is how Matthew records it. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the one who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people From their sins. Now all this took place in order that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet would be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph got up from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary as his wife but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus is a very, very important name. One of the other titles given to Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, which translated means God with us. We understand he is this gift given to us. God is with us, and we need God to be with us because... We have been separated from God. The story of the Bible is the beautiful story of Yahweh pulling his people back to himself. Drawing them ever nearer so that they might have relationship with him. So that those he created in his own image might be able to experience what it is they were actually created for. And so, this glorious summary of the Christmas story reveals a lot of what we must understand in order to truly appreciate the gift that God has given us. First, we must understand that the names involved are very, very important. When we hear an angel of the Lord, this is the New Testament translation of the Old Testament, angel of Yahweh. Because every time we see the Lord, sometimes our translations in the Old Testament will translate Yahweh's personal name as the Lord. In fact, the name Yahweh is used 8,000 plus times in Scripture, this is more than twice as often as the generic word for God. Yahweh is God's personal name, which he revealed in Exodus 3.15 to Moses, and he declared, this is my covenant name, which shall be worshipped from generation to generation. But that is not the only name that we must understand, but that name is important to understand the name Jesus. The name Jesus is the name above all other names because it is the name by which we must be saved. But the name Jesus, in English we say Jesus, if you read the New Testament in its original language in Greek, you would not see the name Jesus, you would see the name Asus, because that is the Greek translation of the Hebrew name Yeshua. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua. In Greek, it's Asus. In English, it's Jesus. In any language you put it, it means the same thing. Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. Every single time you say the name Jesus, you are invoking the personal name of our triune master, Yahweh Yahweh saves. This Yeshua, this Asus, this Jesus saves us. And that's what Matthew declares. Name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That is from what we must be saved, sin. Sin is a really big problem. Sin is that which separates us from God. Sin causes a gap between the perfect God and imperfect mankind made in Yahweh's image who have sinned. And so Jesus is how we get right with God. Jesus, Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves us from our sins. And the only way that this can happen is because Jesus became man for us. God became man. Jesus is our Emmanuel. God with us we celebrate the incarnation and it is truly a happy thing indeed because Yahweh took on flesh and came to save us from our sins and this is very very important indeed because as the New Testament book of Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us for the wages of sin is death but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord sin is a problem and sin carries with it a penalty and the penalty of sin is death. Sin is any time we miss the mark, either unintentionally or intentionally, anytime we try to live up to God's standard but fail, or any anytime we actively rebel against God's standard. That is sin, accidental or purposefully missing the mark. And all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No matter how hard you try, you just can't hit the mark of God's perfection. Yahweh is too perfect for us to live up to. We just can't do it. And because we follow in the footsteps of Adam and of Eve, we are doomed for death. Death is a separation. Death is separation. The first death, the physical death, the death with with which most of us are familiar because we all know someone who has died, is the separation of our body from ourselves. We are souls embodied, and when death occurs, the body and the soul are separated. But the soul doesn't cease to exist. The soul doesn't stop existing. The person who has died no longer is embodied but continues to exist. There is a second death that the Bible refers to. And this is the spiritual death. If the first is separation of the soul from the body, the second is separation from God Almighty. This is the death with which we must be truly concerned. For the first death Everybody will experience unless Jesus comes back first. And it's nothing to worry about. It's just the separation of your body from yourself. That's okay. These bodies aren't going to last anyway. We will receive resurrection bodies. It is all about that second death. That's what we must be concerned about. For if we are separated from God, we are in big, big trouble. This is the worst thing that can ever happen. And this is is the result of sin. This is the wage of sin. But the verse is not through. But the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is an eternal life for us. But the eternal life of Scripture is not something that just starts later. Eternal life is something that starts as soon as we believe, as soon as we place our faith in Yahweh saves, in Jesus. As soon as we make Him our Lord, this Emmanuel, God with us, our eternal life begins. Because the Greek word for eternal, aeonios, is not merely a word which modifies that in the temporal realm. Certainly it can. Eternal is a temporal word, to be sure. But the Greek word for eternal does not carry merely a temporal connotation. Eternal life is not something which just lasts forever. It is a quality of life, not just a quantity of life. Eternal life is that which we can be given. It is the gracious gift of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Such that, even if we are to experience earthly death, even if we are to experience physical death, and we are separated from our bodies, the quality and quantity of life does not cease because death and separation from the body does not stop your existence. You will exist evermore. But here's the thing. Whether you are in Christ or outside of Christ, everyone will exist evermore. Death, Separation from the body is not the end of your existence. It is the end of your soul's bodily existence until you receive a resurrection body. You will persist evermore. Everybody will have eternal life in terms of quantity. You shall persist evermore, but only those in Christ will have eternal life in terms of quality. Those outside of Christ will exist evermore, but separated from God. This is not life at all. It's existence, but it is death. It is the separation. This is what we must be concerned with and we must tell those around us because we understand that the wages of sin is death and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means every single person is on the hook for separation. And I'm not talking separation just from the body. I'm talking separation from God Almighty, from Yahweh's presence. Because Yahweh is perfect. Yahweh is holy. Yahweh is good. Yahweh cannot be around sin. Sin must be paid for. And the wage of sin is death. Now, the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the thing. Jesus died on the cross to pay your sin. He died for our sins. That means the sin, the price of which we owe Yahweh, death, has already been paid by Jesus. He already died on the cross for us, so we do not need to be separated from God. We do not need to pay for sin, for sin has been paid for us, instead... We can receive the gracious gift, and we can start that eternal life right now. But some Christians are in the habit of delaying eternal life, thinking eternal life will be great. Eternal life will be so fun once it starts. First, we've got to get through all of this and all of this, all of this, all of this, this stuff. Like, like, what's the worst thing you can think of when it comes to Christmas time? Maybe it's wrapping presents. How is it? That as a grown man of 43 years, I still wrap presents in a horrible, ramshackle, awful way. Yesterday, or a few days ago, we went to Columbia, and I gave my brother a Kansas City Royals hat, and my dad a Missouri tumbler coffee mug, and an MU umbrella, and I was wrapping these things, and I found the most peculiar paper. It was paper that no matter how sharply you fold it, doesn't hold a crease. It's useless, Why does that even exist? It's pretty and shiny, and you try to put it. The only way you can hold it together is with tape. Nine pieces of tape to be present. But then then you give it to some, a girl can come along and can wrap these gifts in beautiful ways. Kim should just wrap all of our presents. It gets me so frustrated. And don't even get me started on trying to make a manger for the kids that one year. I wanted to throw the hammer through the wall. There is frustration which exists, but don't let it make you a Grinch. Don't let it make you a Grinch. If you are frustrated because it's hard to wrap presents or to make mangers, that's like being frustrated about stubbing your toe. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. There are much bigger things. Oh, but some of you think, no, no, there are much bigger things. After all, this Christmas is really sad because I don't have enough money, or this Christmas is really sad because I don't have my loved one, or this Christmas is really sad. I know. I know. And yet, you don't have to wait to experience the joy of quality existence with Yahweh. You can have that right now, despite the frustration. Despite the sadness, you may experience it right now. It's not something that you just, as a Christian, think about as a treasure that you put on the wall and you just look at occasionally, but you don't do anything with it. No. Eternal life is for us to interact with now. Here's what the Bible says. Jesus himself declares in John three sixteen, a verse many of us have memorized. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus was given. God the Father gave us God the Son. He gave us the Son. He loves us so much, He gave His Son to us. The Father did. So that we would not have to perish, not have to be separated from him, but have eternal life. Have not just existence, but the quality of life. Not just the quantity of everlasting existence, but the quality of being with him. He wants us to be with him. It's eternal life. That he offers. This is the gracious gift of God. In fact Jesus will say. In this same chapter. 20 verses later. He will declare. He who believes in the son. Has eternal life. But he who does not obey the son. Will not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. So if you want to experience eternal life. Believe. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believes in the Son will have eternal life. Now, belief is really, really important. But belief is not merely an intellectual exercise whereby you come to the understanding that it's true Jesus existed and died on the cross. No, no, belief is much more than that. In fact, the Greek word which gets translated into our English word believes here is the Greek word pestuo, And this word, peshuo variously gets translated believe, trust, occasionally obey, and most of the time, actually, faith. You place your faith, it's far more than merely intellectual assent. In fact, Jesus declares that in this verse, whereby he says, but he who does not obey, do you notice how obey and believe are seen as contrapositives here? They're the opposite of each other. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey... The Son will not see life. Belief and obedience go together because when one places faith in Jesus, there is an intellectual component. You do come to believe that, it, yes, it's true. Jesus is God. He died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead for my justification. But you believe it in your heart. And this heartfelt belief is very different than merely headfelt belief because heartfelt belief is whereby your life's orientation turns. Once, you were squarely walking in the kingdom of darkness. But when you believe in your heart, in Yahweh saves, in Jesus, the entire orientation of your life changes. And now, you are in the kingdom of the Son. Even before you take one step of obedience, even before you walk the obedient life, believing in your heart changes your orientation. So now, you have this heartfelt belief, this faith. And now, you walk in obedience. There must be loving obedience which follows heartfelt belief. They go together. Otherwise, the wrath of God abides on him. Here's what I mean. Jesus died on the cross for your sins, but if you don't accept that gracious gift, the wrath of God abides on you still, and you shall pay for your own sins. That is the condition of humanity. Well, Jesus will continue. In John chapter 5, verse 23, he declares, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me, that is the Father, has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. If you hear the word and you believe in him who sent Jesus... Just like in the previous verse we talked about, you believe in Jesus. And just like the verse before that, you believe in Jesus. Believe intellectual belief, heartfelt belief, loving obedience. You place your faith in Jesus. You have eternal life. If you believe, this person has eternal life. And you don't have to pass into judgment, but rather you've passed out of death into life. This is really really important. It's so important that sometimes we get caught up on the obey part, and we think, oh, oh, obey. Christians really have to obey. We have to obey, just like Jesus said in in John chapter three, verse 36. If you believe in me, that's great, but if you don't believe in me, remember what it said, then the wrath of God abides on you still, and sometimes we get caught up in the obedience part, and we think it's all about obedience. Like, Christianity and the sum total thereof is doing good things. You obey. Jesus did not come so that we could better obey the law. Jesus came perfectly to fulfill the law. He came to establish a new way for us that is not based on the righteous requirements of action or inaction, but rather righteousness which comes by faith, pistuo, belief. And so, believe in him who sent Jesus, and you have eternal life. And then you don't have to worry about judgment. Judgment is so fearsome because it has to do with punishment. Never forget, Jesus died on the cross in our place. He took our punishment. The punishment that you and I deserve, Jesus already paid for. So we don't have to worry about judgment. Judgment always has to do with punishment. But since the punishment has already been meted out, I don't worry about judgment. I stand in life, not in death. And in fact, if you want Further confirmation, Jesus will again say, this time in the Gospel of John chapter 17, lots of John, I really like John. We should probably just do John all next year. In John 17, three, he says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is not something you just gaze upon. Eternal life is something you know. And the word here is not to know about. It's not merely knowing about. I only know about Superman. I don't know Superman because Superman is fictional. I don't know Superman. I know plenty about him. I really like the fictional stories. Sure, they're great. I don't know Superman. You are not meant just to know about God. You are meant to know God. You are meant to interact with God. You are meant to be his treasure, not just that he treasures, but that he interacts with, uses, helps, dwells within, comes to rescue. This is eternal life. That you would know God. That you would know Yahweh. That you would know Yahweh saves. That you would know Jesus. Know him. Truly know him. This is what it is about. And yet there are so many Christians who think this eternal life is not for now. We think sometimes that eternal life begins later, but eternal life does not begin later. Eternal life is not like, have you ever gotten one of those presents where your mom or dad ordered it, but it didn't get here in time. And so they printed out a picture of it, put it in a box, wrapped it up, you opened it and you're like, oh, it's a picture of like, it's not really just a picture. Your actual gift is coming later. Lots of us treat eternal life that way. It'll be great when it gets here. It's already here. It is already here. I know that because the gospel writer John, who quotes Jesus so beautifully, will now also, in a letter that he writes to the church, established maturing, growing in the power of the Spirit, growing in Christ-likeness. He writes this to close his first letter. In the book of 1 John, chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, he writes these words. And the witness is this, that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. God gave us eternal life. This gift Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Or John 3.36, believe, don't disobey, believe. Or John 5.24, believe, believe, You must believe in the Father, John 17, 3. This is eternal life that you would know, believe in your head, in your heart, in your life. Eternal life has been given to us. Jesus came, our Emmanuel, God with us. God came to be with us to save us from sin so that we could be with God. We need to start living like it. Well, verse 12 tells us, he who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have that life. You can have that life, but there's only one way to get that life. Everybody will experience eternal, in terms of temporal, in terms of quantity. Everyone will have eternal existence. The question is whether that will be qualitatively life or qualitatively death. It is all about whether or not you have the Son. Do you have the Son of God? If you have the Son, you have life. If you do not have the Son of God, you do not have these life. And then he wraps up with verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. John writes this to those who believe in the name of the Son of God so that they can know they have eternal life, not so that they can know someday they will eventually get eternal life. They have it now. Believe that you have it now. It has begun already. It began the moment you believed, the moment you placed your faith, the moment you had heartfelt belief trust, willing to follow it up with loving obedience. That's when eternal life started, and it will not end even when you die physically. Separation from the body is nothing. You will continue to exist. You will continue to persist. You will exist evermore. Exist evermore with him, but don't just wait to enjoy him till later. You have eternal life right now. You've heard the word. You believe in him. You believe in the name of God the Son. You know the name of God's Son, right? Jesus. Jesus. Yeshua. His title, Yahweh saves. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is Yahweh saves. You know that name. You believe in that name. You confess that name. And because of that, You have eternal life. Please, please. Even if you're a Christmas time Grinch, don't be a Christian time Grinch. You have eternal life. Live like it's awesome. Go watch the game, go eat something great. Go give a present, go joyously open a present, go to a movie, hang out with friends, call your mom, call your grandkids, do something great. This life is not meant to suffer through exclusively. Oh, you may be called to suffer. In fact, Jesus says you probably will if you wear his name, but this life is not just about suffering because this life is not all there is. If this life is all there is, you stub your toe and you cry because your body hurts. Or you grieve without hope outside of Christ when someone you love dies. This is not all there is, though. Eternal life is here and now, not just for the hereafter. It's time that we do something about it. It's time that we celebrate. So here's what I'd love for you to do this week This Christmas week, as you come back tonight for candlelight service, as you celebrate tomorrow the birth of Jesus, what I want you to do this week is would you read 1 John chapter 5? The whole book is great, but just skip to chapter 5. That's fine. Read 1 John chapter 5. And as you read 1 John chapter 5, it will bless you. Go ahead, if you haven't yet, memorize Matthew 1, 18 through 25, the summary of the Christmas story. But not just that. Please... Rejoice in the gift of eternal life. Don't live your Christian life in such a way that you think eternal life is not something to rejoice about. Don't treat it like a very breakable collectible that goes on the shelf, that nobody sees, and that you don't do anything with it. No, treat it like your Superman action figure and play with that thing. It's awesome. Use it. Share it. Show it off. Let others play with you also. It is fun. Act like a little kid on Christmas morning with your salvation. Rejoice. Please, live the eternal life here and now. Don't wait. Just don't. It's not something to wait for. It's something that you have right now. I've written these things so that you will know you have eternal life. Do you believe in the name of the Son of God? Yahweh saves Jesus Christ. Yes? Yes? Good. Then no matter what befalls you, whether it's bad rapping whether it's stubbed toes, whether it's the first Christmas without the one you love the most, or whether it's illness, sickness, loss of job, loss of any other thing in this world, you may still rejoice because eternal life has begun. It's not something that will begin. Would you stand with me as we sing and as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we call upon Your perfect triune name, O Yahweh, thanking you for the gift of eternal life. May it be a gift about which we rejoice and may it be a gift in which we live truly. Not later, but now. May it be a gift that is so, so incredibly joy-filling that others want it too. Help us to live for you. For Yahweh, we love you. But please don't just take our word for it. See it in our actions as we read your word and memorize your word and rejoice in your gift and as we live in your promises. Yahweh, this we pray in your perfect name. Amen.